Welcome to Ticket Bud Tidbits. This is your host, Lisa. In this podcast, we talk to Amber Guntz, the CEO at the Austin Technology Council, which is a membership-based organisation geared towards leaders in the Austin tech community. In this episode, Amber talks about the range of events hosted by the ATC for various tech audiences. It includes things like women in tech breakfasts, leadership dinners, and a CEO summit. We discuss how the ATC utilizes events as part of their community engagement and membership strategy and the challenges of organizing events across a wide-ranging member base. Amber gives great advice and techniques for approaching businesses for event sponsorships. She shares what not to do and explains how to significantly increase your success rate. We also chat about identifying the right marketing channels for a B2B organization promoting events. At the end of the episode, Amber opens up about what advice she wished she'd been given at the start of her career. Two big things stood out. One was that she wished she'd been made more aware of her leadership abilities and moved into a leadership role much earlier in her career. The other was around learning to reframe negative feedback, particularly around being perceived as aggressive in the workplace. She comments on how the same behaviours are commonly seen as a negative trait in women and a positive trait in men displaying direct and assertive behaviour. It was interesting to get the perspective of a female CEO on something I know many women have encountered. Amber shares her advice for managing this. We had a great chat and covered a lot in this episode. I hope you enjoy it. Welcome to Ticket Bud Tidbits. We're joined today by Amber Gunst, who's the CEO and Head of Sales at the Austin Technology Council. The ATC is the leading unifying voice of technology in Central Texas. They regularly host a wide range of programs and events featuring thought leaders and best practices for innovation and growth. Amber's background is in sales, business development, and membership development. She produces the Austin Technology Council's events, leading topic development and sourcing expert speakers from their membership base. She also oversees the creation of some of their key programs, such as their upcoming CEO Summit in October. Welcome to the podcast, Amber. Thank you, Lisa. Can you share a little about your role with the Austin Technology Council? So I joined Austin Technology Council in 2017 as head of sales and member services and transitioned within a year to become CEO of Austin Technology Council. So I oversee our programming, our membership and our services that we provide to our members, as well as overseeing, you know, just day-to-day operations that that our organization has. The Austin Technology Council is a membership-based organization. Can you tell us a bit about their role within the Austin tech community? Absolutely. So we were founded in 1992, and we are, as you said, the leading voice of technology in the Austin market. Everything that we do for our programming is based around the promotion and the support for growth of tech companies here in the Austin area. So what do people gain access to with the Austin Technology Council membership? So there's there's many different things and for each company it is different. For some companies they want to come out and they want to network and they want to meet as many people as they possibly can. So we definitely offer events to to give that option. There is There are companies who look specifically at our blog post section and want to share what they're working on and the things that they're doing. They also, we have companies that are looking to utilize our job board, which is free for our members to use. And then we have companies who are looking to just figure out who are the people that can best help them grow. And we have a lot of solution provider members that provide those services to them. Okay, that sounds great. So how are events utilized by the ATC as part of their community engagement and membership strategy? Well, you know, events in Austin, I think there's probably a happy hour going on right now somewhere (laughs) uh, and has been since, you know, midnight last night. But It's Friday morning also, guys. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's also on Monday morning. But it's, you know, when you look at what brings people out to events and what continues to do that is, is this something that helps me grow my business? Is this something that is going to provide me opportunities to be able to advance what we're working on? So we've steered away from the traditional just networking and how do you do sort of here's my business card, here's your business card situation and moved into programming that is around how do you scale and grow your business when you're looking at hiring people, when you're looking at how to develop your sales team or your marketing structure, when you're looking at your finance and your operations, and when you're looking at your executive team and and trying to provide support to them as well. Because I know now for a fact that is a very lonely seat to sit in. Um, So can you give us a quick overview of uh, some of the events that are run by the ATC? Yes. So we have a leadership dinner series that I think people who've been around ATC for a long time will remember as C-level dinners or CEO dinners. We've restructured them to be catered towards that director to C-suite role because the C-suite alone is not what grows and scales a company. So our programming is now designed around that for the leadership dinners. We then launched Roundtable Series back in 2018, and we started out with women in tech, sales leadership, and engineering leadership. This past year, we added HR leadership, and in 2020, we're excited we're going to be creating a marketing leadership roundtable as well. And these are breakfast-style events, and we usually have a facilitator come out and lead the discussion. However, you know... It's really kind of an open dialogue, and we're very excited about it. I'm really excited about um, a program that we have coming up for our sales leadership roundtable in October. We're going to be having an attorney from Vincent and Elkins come out and lead and facilitate a discussion around the problems that evolve when your salespeople are being sexually harassed by clients. Yeah, okay. That's the big one. So the next one is the Women in Tech coming up in September. Can you tell us a bit about these events? So the Women in Tech was really designed around the aspect that we wanted to provide women an opportunity to come together. We start the conversation off with, this is an issue that we're all facing and we're all struggling with. Now let's talk about solutions around that. And we do limit it to just women because we want it to be a dialogue that women can have and not feel that there's repercussions or not feel that someone is not going to be listening to them. We are looking forward to creating programming in 2020 on diversity and inclusion that includes men and women in the programming, but this particular program we do keep specifically to women. Our September program is going to be fantastic. It's about self-care. When you're starting to deal with a lot of stress and you have a heavy workload, then all of a sudden, you know, your mental health and your physical health starts to take a toll. So we're having Baylor Scott and White come out and they're bringing a psychiatrist out to talk about key things to do to handle stress, to handle the physical and the emotional stress that comes with being within a working environment or having a lot on your plate. Oh, that sounds great. And you're also the key organizer for the ATZ's upcoming CEO Summit. Uh, Can you tell us a bit about this event, what's gone into planning it, and then also the uh, program creation process? Yeah, so CEO Summit is something that we have done for 12 years. And for the first 10 years, it was a day-long summit that started at about 8 in the morning and ended at about 5.30. That's a really long time for CEOs (laughs) to be sitting outside of their office. And, and, And we usually had about 150 folks come out for it. We changed it up last year. We did a dinner and then the next morning we did a half day summit and we received a lot of feedback from our members saying, hey, 
it was really great, but that was a late night and an early morning. And so this just kind of goes with that event aspect of putting on events and yeah. saying, what is going to be the thing that what's could possibly, gonna yeah. what's going to work? Because asking CEOs to take an entire day out of their schedule and, you know, I mean, I'm sure you know that your CEO probably gets about 100 to 200 emails in a day, yeah. and that's just his email inbox and all of the other things that need to be done. So so being able to be flexible with them. So this year, we're moving it to the JW Marriott, which we're very excited about. And we're going to be starting it at 1.30 in the afternoon and having it go until 9 p.m. So CEOs will be able to get into their offices in the morning, get the things done that they need to get done, and then come out and join us. The idea around the CEO Summit is that not only do we want to give C-level executives the ability to engage with their peers and have networking opportunities and get to know their peers, we also want to make sure that they're doing some type of education and learning. We launched a BHAG, so a big, hairy, audacious goal back in 2017 <laughs> to help grow 10 Austin-based technology companies to a billion dollars in valuation in 10 years' time and another 100 to 100 million in revenue in that same time frame. So all of this programming around our CEO summit is how to go about doing that. So this year we have RSM who's leading one of our panels and they're a tax and audit firm. So they're going to be looking at how AI and finance go together and help companies scale from there. We have Humana that is coming out to do a panel and the discussion topic for theirs is how to scale your benefits as you're scaling your business. And then we are so excited. We have as our keynote speaker this year, Brian Sharples, who is founder and former CEO of HomeAway. And we are extremely blessed to be able to have Robert Alvarez, who's the COO and CFO of Big Commerce, join him for a fireside chat for our keynote. Nice. Yeah. That sounds great. What are the key priorities and considerations when managing events for a membership-based organization that's for businesses? Well, the one thing we always want to make sure of, and we actually had this conversation in the office this morning, is evaluating whether or not the programming we're putting together is still relevant to the people who are coming. So looking at frequency of events, looking at the relevance of the topics that are coming up for events. For ATC, we're focused on the five areas of disciplines for growth in companies. So we look at the executive suite, we look at finance and accounting and operations, we look at sales and marketing, um, we take a lot of stock in HR and recruiting because that is a particular area that needs a lot of help right now. And of course, being a tech association, we focus on engineering and product development. But looking at all of those different areas and making sure that the topics are relevant to what our members are dealing with and making sure that it's in a location in a space that is easy for them to get to and that we have a nice flow of the event as well. You don't want to put something on and, and have maybe the registration happy hour portion last too long or the networking portion last too long and not give enough time for the content and conversation that's going to be going on. Okay, that makes sense. So the events that you run, are they open to members and non-members? So we do allow non-members to attend certain events. However, we limit the number of non-members who can attend and we limit the number of times that they can attend because the aspect of our membership community is that we are a community and we want the people who are coming out to our events and programs to be people that are engaged and involved in helping each other grow. And so if there's a company that you know wants to come out and check out an event, see if ATC is the right community for them, we're happy to have them come out and join us for an event. If 
They want to only come to events and not actually do anything that supports the other companies that are part of our community. Then we do very politely let them know, you know, hey, you've maxed out the number of registrations for the year. Okay. Okay. And there's different pricing structures for members and non-members. There is. Our roundtables, that is a benefit of membership. So those are complimentary for members. For our leadership dinners, it's definitely less expensive for our members to come out to those, as well as our CEO Summit and our other programming. Okay. So um, you work with Ticketbud to manage the ticketing. What are some of the benefits of working with an organization like Ticketbud to help you with registrations and ticketing? How does it make it easier? Well, first and foremost, I think the fact that you have a team here in Austin, you know, trying to reach out to a large company that is outside of the Austin area, sometimes you get on an 800 number and <laughs> you sit there for a really long time. Um, I really like the fact that, you know, your team as able to help us with flexibility. So we do a big gateway party every March. It's the night before South by Southwest Interactive kicks off. This coming year is going to be March 12th. And we have, um, as part of our presenting sponsorships, is that our presenting sponsors basically get to invite whoever they want to invite to the event. Those folks don't have to pay to come in. It has been a real struggle for us in the past to be able to get their folks registered because a lot of times they want to keep their client list secure and private and they don't want their clients getting a bunch of emails they've been registered for stuff and it's just it's it causes a lot of headaches and so what i like about the fact with ticketbud is that we can now create a specific link that will go out to those sponsors so that they can send an invitation out where it's coming from them. It has our logo on it. They know they're coming to, you know, the gateway party that ATC is putting on. They can see that they're who's inviting them as a sponsor. And it's something that our team does not have to work on other than sending that link out, which is great because mm-hmm. there is four of us. Yep. And, you know, and so just the flexibility of being able to work with your team and say, this is a problem we're dealing with mm-hmm. and we need a solution for it. And then they come back and say, well, here's your solution. <laughs> it's really nice to be able to do. We're adapting the product all the time and the services based on the feedback from clients. Yeah. Um, So what are some of the challenges of organizing events across a wide member base? Well, I think anybody who puts on an event in Austin will say the biggest problem is people typically don't RSVP for the event or purchase the tickets until about 72 hours prior to the event. So every year for our CEO summit, um, probably about a week before the event, I literally stop sleeping and (laughs) start making phone calls and sending out emails. Like if you're going to go just buy the ticket or let me know you're coming so that I can get numbers into the caterer. You know, I think that that's probably the biggest struggle and we're not the only ones that deal with it. You know, I know I used to work for the chamber of Commerce years ago, and they dealt with it with their business awards every year. I think while I was there, and I was there from 2009 to 2013, we had the biggest uptick of sales to business awards probably about four days before the event. And that's just a big struggle that goes on. And and it's hard because the majority of the people who are doing these events or coming to these events are people who are in that executive suite. So they're at a director to C-suite level and they a lot of times don't know what their schedule is until about a week before. So it's just something you have to work around and it's something you have to know is going to happen. I think as well, you know, and it's gotten a lot better over the last several years was the large event space that was available in Austin. That was always difficult to find because when I first moved to Austin in 2009, we had the Hilton and the Four Seasons 
and that was it. And that was, it. <laughs> that was, the, end. That was it. the end of the list. And then in 2010, we had the W, and now we have the JW. We've got the Hotel Van Zandt. We've yep. got a lot of space in the downtown area. You know, up in the domain, they've got some great space. However, one of the one of the venues up in the domain, they they don't really confirm for small events until about 60 days prior. So it's like, okay, so that's not an option anymore. But I think looking at more of those larger scale events, I'm really excited about the possibility of the convention center expanding because that gives even more larger events. So when we're working with our members to help them find venues that have availability, that makes it a lot easier as well, because we do get a lot of that outreach from our members saying, where can we go? What can we do? We're very excited. We're going to be relaunching our Battle of the Tech Bands with a twist, including an Austin Tech Awards in Q3 of 2020. And nice. very, very excited to be working with the Moody Theater on that one. So it's having more space available. And then as well, you know, I think just the the overall support through marketing in the efforts of doing that. We're very fortunate with ATC that we have about 26,000 people following us on social media. And our director of marketing, Jessica Camarillo, does a fantastic job getting the outreach out there. But you know, if you're a smaller organization and you're trying to build and you're trying to gain some momentum, you know, you're really kind of stuck with, you know, trying to use Facebook and how do you get those first initial people excited about what you're doing. And so I think that marketing thing is probably that third piece that tends to be a little bit of a struggle. Yeah. And when you're um, choosing events and, you know, who you're going to target with the different events, do you stick to very clear defined categories of, of the different parts of tech or do you want to encourage people to come from all different areas of tech? That is such a great question because sometimes you want to ha- you want to cast a wide net and sometimes you want it to be very specific. So for our CEO summit, we're only sending um, marketing materials out to C-suite executives and we actually don't allow anybody outside of the C-suite to attend. Um, we will make exceptions with law firms or with companies like Google or Intel where their highest ranking person here is a VP or on a, a law firm where it's not a CEO, but it's a managing partner. We'll make exceptions for those individuals, but for directors and managers and individual contributors, we actually do refund any ticket purchases that they make because we do want to keep this strictly a C-level event. And then, you know, when we look at our leadership dinners, we like having a mixture of people in the room. Now, obviously, if we're having something that's geared towards an engineering discussion, you're going to see more of the engineering crowd that's in the room. If you've got a sales and marketing discussion, it's going to be more along that line. And, you know, we figure the more the merrier. So you bet be, let people self-select by, we, based on the topic. We do. And, and just, we make sure that they understand what the topic is and how that topic is going to be relevant to them. Yeah. So what advice do you have for uh, B2B event marketing uh, and getting your event in front of that right audience? What channels to focus on? That's Well, I think the first thing you need to do is you need to figure out where are you going to invest your time on social media? Social media is this thing right now that... It's a beast. You can... (laughs) Listen, I'm so glad I have Jessica because if I had to figure it out, like I'd occasionally throw something out there and (laughs) not be something I put a lot of focus into. But it's looking at who is your audience? And for ATC, our audience is business executives. So putting a lot of time and effort into Pinterest and Instagram and Facebook, we're just not going to draw those folks in from there. So the majority of the work that we do is on 
LinkedIn and Twitter. Mm -hmm. We still do do event promotion on Facebook and we do, you know, post event marketing on Instagram and on Facebook, but really the majority of what we use is LinkedIn and Twitter because that's who our folks are. Yeah. So sponsorships are an important uh, element for events. How do you go about finding and managing sponsorships? That's actually a really hard thing. And, you know, I've, I've done sponsorship sales for years. And, you know, when I first started out, I was in my 20s, I was calling people and saying, oh, we've got this great event. You should sponsor this. No, thank you. <laughs> oh, we've got this great event. You should sponsor this. <laughs> No, thank you again. And it took me some time and it took a very wonderful coworker of mine who sat me down and said, Amber, you are completely missing the boat here. You need to know what their interests are before you can even talk to them about an event. Then you need to know what their goals are and then you need to know what their budget is. And that has really transformed how I'm able to talk to people about sponsorship opportunities. So if I know what you're interested in, you know, are you interested in a big party? Are you interested in being a thought leader in front of an intimate sized group? Are you interested in getting in front of 150 of the top tech CEOs in Austin? Then I've got something for you. I need to know what your goals are. Are you looking for business development? Are you looking to just position yourself and your company as an expert in your area? Or are you just interested in making sure that people see your brand and your awareness and then finding out your budget? Because I, when I first came into ATC, somebody had, I'd seen a quote that someone who had formerly worked there that was for $25,000. And I got excited because it was like, oh, I'm going to sell this $25,000 thing. I just got to make a phone call. Got on the phone with the gentleman. All he had was $2,500 in his budget. And so I thought to myself, why are we even talking to you about $25,000? And it was having that conversation and finding out that what he really needed was he needed to get the biggest splash out of the last $2,500 that they had. And there was nothing that ATC was doing at that time that could have helped him with that. Yeah. And so I have a very good friend who works for KMFA. And I said, you should talk to Teresa. Teresa can turn $2,500 into $25,000 really (laughs) fast. And she did a great job for them. They were so excited and so happy about it. And he turned around, joined ATC. They're now looking at sponsorship opportunities with us because we helped them. So sometimes you also need to be completely honest and transparent with people about, so I can't help you. But here's somebody who can, and that's always going to turn around back for you. Yes, yeah, absolutely. What are the key elements uh, of a sponsorship package proposal? Well, the key elements are always going to be the the what's in it for them aspect. You know, when you're asking people for sponsor dollars, there's typically something that they need in response to that. You know, sponsorship is all about branding and marketing and positioning and business development. And that's truly the return on investment aspect. So for our leadership dinners, our host sponsors, they actually get to help us put together the content and be on the panel with big events. It's it's really around what is the key aspect to it. So when we look at a presenting sponsorship for something like our gateway party, two of our presenting sponsors who've been with us for several years now as presenting sponsors, they want to put on a South by Southwest party, but putting on South by Southwest parties are very expensive. (laughs) So they look at the gateway party and the ability for them to be able to invite their 
clients, which is why the fact that TicketBud can create a specialized link for these folks is even more important to us because now that's another benefit that we can provide to them. So it's really looking at what's important to the sponsors. And usually after someone has sponsored an event, we'll do a download with them. What did you like about this? What would you like us to see improve with this? And then go from there and then reevaluate those benefits I wanted to get some quick tips from you. Okay. Uh, so some quick tips for event organisers. So uh, maybe something like advice for managing multiple events, events and a busy event schedule. So one, hire a really great director of marketing <laughs> who has some events experience in their background. We're very fortunate that we found Jessica and, you know, I, I don't want to lose her for anything in the world <laughs> because she does so much for us. But I think making sure that everybody on your team, especially if you have a small team, Don't let them think that something is not their job. So making sure that when you're bringing people onto your team, that there is not a single person on your team that will ever look at you and say, that's not my job. That's my most hated sentence. Um, But it is. The whole point of being a team is that everyone, yes, everyone has their role, but you're all meant to work together. I I joke with my team all the time. I say, if I hear you say that's not my job, (laughs) I'm going to say, well, then I guess you don't have one. And I would not actually do that, but we'd have a behind closed doors discussion about this is a team effort. And in order for all of us to be successful for our members, we need to work together as a team. Yeah. Certainly, uh, when you work for a startup, everything is your job. Yeah. <laughs> or a scrappy little nonprofit. Anything. Yeah, yeah. I've done both. Everything yes. is your job. Yes. Okay. Uh, any other uh, tips or advice you want to share? You know, I think as well, listening to the people who are coming out to events, you know, and, and it's hard sometimes because sometimes people want to lean on the negative. This was wrong. That was wrong. This was wrong. That was that's wrong. That's true. And that's hard. That is so hard. We had someone who was sending us negative emails. They were sending them to Jessica. And, and everything was, you should have done this. This didn't work out well because you didn't do this. And, you know, I had a conversation with the woman. She actually was, you know, completely lovely. She had some great feedback. But, you know, I think making sure that you separate your personal experience and the fact that you wanted it to be the most successful and separating the fact that you worked so hard on it to be able to really kind of take in what people are saying. Because even if they're leaning on the negative and saying, this really didn't work, you have to listen to that because that's your audience. Those are the people that you want to know what it is they're doing, what they're thinking, how they feel about it. Because if you don't, one, you're never going to improve. And two, you're never going to have the opportunity to get them to come back. And, you know, there are times that we have to look at people and, you know, there are gentlemen who say, I'd really like to attend Women in Tech. I think it would be valuable for me to hear what's going on and and, and be able to have a communication with women, which is why we're going to create this other programming for diversity and yeah. inclusion. Because it's a valid point. However, we're not going to change what Women in Tech Roundtable is because we're going to keep it exclusive to women. Just as we're not going to really invite engineers to the sales leadership roundtable and we're not going to really invite salespeople to the engineering leadership roundtable because it changes the dialogue and it changes the conversation. Pulling people in and and getting their feedback is really important and it's valuable. And, And it might not change the programming that they have attended and wanted to change, but it does give you the opportunity to develop better programming. 
Yeah, because you, you're getting the other perspectives. So whether you choose yeah. to take it on board, whether it fits in with what you're doing is, is yeah. something to consider. But yeah. Well, sometimes you can't. You know, yeah. We've had suggestions that we change our leadership dinners and do them in different parts of the town. It's like, well, this place has free valet and there's <laughs> a bar in the room and it's a three-course meal and... I'm not killing my budget. So, yeah. you know, there are things that make uh, it difficult to and there's change. There's things that, that um, attendees aren't aware of as exactly. well. Exactly. Like things that go in that would change other aspects of the event or might make it unaffordable. Or So you do have to, you take it on board and you go, okay, this is why we're not doing yeah, that. Yeah, but I think once you explain to them, they're completely understanding and they're very helpful. You have to listen to that feedback especially when it comes to you, no matter how it comes to you, you have to look at it from a really unbiased perspective and say, so this person didn't have the best experience. We love it when it's supportive and it's growth related feedback. It's harder to take when it's negative feedback saying you did this wrong, you did that wrong. I would have done it better if I had done it this way. (laughs) You know, one of my employees asked me once, they said, well, what do we do when they make that comment? And I said, then ask them to be on the committee. (laughs) <laughs> and, and they asked them to be on the committee. So, well, I don't have time for that. Yeah, so, well, yeah. thank you for your feedback. Thank you for your feedback. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's hard. And, you know, sometimes the negative feedback is coming because they're trying to do a business development aspect. Yeah. You know, I want your business, so I'm going to tell you all the reasons why this went wrong. Yeah, yeah. It, it's having the conversation with them and saying, okay, so there's a better way to go about, or just send that to me, don't send it to my team. Yeah. And, and the biggest thing is just making sure that people are heard. Like yes. acknowledging that feedback. We've, yeah. we've taken that on board. We're considering it. Like yeah. that's, thank you. that goes a long way. Yeah. yeah. And usually, you know, if, if we've gotten negative feedback repeatedly from the same person, I'll make a phone call or I'll say, hey, let's get together and meet in person. And let's, let's talk about, you know, I'm, I'm seeing some trends here. I'm seeing you say the same thing over and over again. Help me understand why this continues to be negative for you, especially when feedback we're getting from other people say that it's really positive. So what advice do you wish you'd been given at the start of your career? I like asking that. Oh, well, I keep going back to this same one. I went from an individual contributor to a head of sales in about a 60-day time period. And then I went from a head of sales to a CEO within 12 months. So I, you know, I, I keep going back to the fact that I wish somebody had pushed me sooner to enter into leadership. I was 43 years old and I had a really great mentor of mine. And he said, you are wasting your talents. You're wasting your ability to have a positive effect on people by hanging out in this individual contributor land. You're overqualified for what you're doing. You need to go find another job. And it was that push at 43 that, and the first time anybody ever said it to me was 43. And within 60 days of that, I was working at ATC. And so, you know, I really wish somebody would have sat me down sooner in my career and said, here are things that we see about you. You should get mentorship and training around leadership and you should move into leadership. And I wish I'd had a little bit more of a ramp up time from being a VP level to being a C-suite. Now, I don't regret becoming CEO at all. I'm very glad that I was there. I just wish I had a little bit more time to position myself as a head of sales or a VP of sales prior to that because they are extremely different roles. And, you know, I think there's a lot of value to being able to make that transition as you need to. The other thing that I wish somebody would have told me early on 
was I am Dutch and German and from the Midwest, so I'm pretty straightforward and I don't give people compliments if they don't deserve a compliment sort of thing. It's just how I was raised and it's the way we are up there. And throughout my entire career, I've had people say, oh, well, you seem aggressive sometimes. And I just took it as, well, all of my male coworkers are aggressive. Yeah. And I shared this at a Women in Tech Roundtable recently. One of the young women there said, you know, how does she not be perceived as aggressive? And I'm like, well, are your male coworkers aggressive? She's like, yeah. And I said, are they moving in their careers? And she said, yeah. And I said, then the next time somebody tells you that, tell them thank you. Because it took me until I was probably in my late 30s to finally say to a manager who said, you know, you come across as aggressive sometime. And I said, well, thank you. All of my male coworkers are aggressive and they're doing amazing things and they have incredible careers. So thank you for identifying in me yeah. what you see in them. Yeah. And it kind of stopped it this person and said, oh, and I said, I act the same way they act. They're different. Yeah. How is it different? And and it was pushing back on him. And you know what? He was wonderful about it and said, you're right. That actually is a good quality. It's no longer negative. It's quite often you're being assertive and you're being direct. Mm-hmm. And I think as, um, and I've definitely been pulled up on that in the past, is if I'm being assertive and being direct, it's like, maybe you could say that in a nicer way. I'm like, yeah. but none of the men in the room are saying it in a nicer way. They're being assertive yeah. and direct. Yeah, I, I told one woman one time, I said, you know, she she said, she's like, you know, I get called the B word at work. And I, she's like, how do I how do I avoid that? And I said, well, one, you need to talk to HR because you're not, it's not okay. referring to people in negative terms. I said, but two, you could bake cookies and bring them into the office and set them down on people's desks with big smiles on your face. You're still going to get called that. And... You know, and looking at, especially with millennials, and I've got all of my team is in the millennial range. The one thing that I continuously hear, and I'm somewhat guilty myself, is the, you know, the the negative comments towards millennials, both male and female, the need to get a trophy for everything. And I don't think that they all need to get a trophy. But I think part of that goes on the onus of companies to say, hey, here's what it looks like to grow and scale your your career within this company. And here are the steps in the process. And here are the things that you need to know. And I think, you know, especially the Gen X group, we need to be a better part of and the fact that we are leaders in companies of having those conversations with employees. But, you know, I think being assertive, being direct, not sugarcoating things, you know, I'm, again, Midwestern and Midwesterners have no problem saying no to anything. <laughs> but when I moved to Austin 10 years ago, people were like, yeah, call me next week. Yeah. Call me in two weeks. And it was got, finally got to a point where I finally gave people permission to tell me no. Yeah. So I think yeah. learn to say no, learn to let people know you're not interested. I'll finish up by asking, because we're an events company, we talk mm-hmm. about events a lot, um, I want to hear about a great event that you've attended and what you liked about it. Oh, you know... Um, Actually, I, it popped up in my Facebook memories today. So when I worked for the Austin Chamber of Commerce, I had to get creative about how I would go about finding people to sell to. I had been living in Austin. I moved here in 2009, but in 2010, I always picked up the Austin Monthly because I was trying to figure out like what are the fun things to do and yeah. where are all the fun people hanging out. Yeah. And the August issue in 2010 had the top 10 bachelors. And I was like, oh, who are these bachelors? And I started looking through. And of course, I work nonstop and have no desire to get married. So I wasn't really looking for a bachelor to make not a bachelor anymore. So I started looking through and my business development mind just 
like jumped into gear because I saw that it was telling me who these people were, where they worked, what their title was, where they worked. And I was like, this is like gold. (laughs) And I called every single one of those people that was not a chamber member. And I got all of the ones who were relevant to becoming a chamber member to become a chamber member probably within two years time. And I kept getting the Austin monthly every, like every August, it was like, I'm getting this and I'm calling these people and I'm selling them a membership. I went to the, I believe it was the 2012 bachelor auction. It was the first time I went to one (laughs) and it was the Bob Bullock museum. And there were 900 women in this room. Yep trying to win 10 men through this auction, which which the auction, like the proceeds, I believe that year went to Austin Pets Alive. So it was like, oh, I'll buy a ticket. I'm not going to give $10,000 to go jet skiing with that guy, but you know, I'll be be there for the fun. And I looked at it as, you know, these women all have money and they are not all going to win. So who needs to join the Austin Chamber again? (laughs) And, and it was fun. And I remember messaging afterwards, like, Hey, all you single guys next year, this is the party you need to go to because only <laughs> 10 men are going to actually win a date. And the women, they were all dressed up and they looked amazing and it was fun. And it was just a fun event. Yeah. What I loved about it was you had previous bachelors there. So I'd be like, hey, thanks for joining the chamber. <laughs> and, you know, but for the women, it was just so much fun to like see them and hear about what they do and get to talk to them. And everybody was in great spirits. And yeah. Austin Monthly just puts on great parties. Okay in general, but that was just probably the one party I went to and I thought, this is just straight up fun and I'm having a great time. And, and I often think back to that and it's like, I was the most low key dressed woman there. (laughs) I did not wear heels. I think I had a jean jacket on with some pants and a tank top. Like I did not get super fancy, but I had so much fun and met a lot of really great people. In fact, one of the women that I met that night, we still occasionally meet up for lunch. So she's just a fun lady and we have a good time and we always laugh about, oh my gosh, all of those women, there are so many single, really high quality single women in Austin. (laughs) So, you know, men need to dress up a little bit more. That's funny. I went to a Valentine's Day Bumble party. Oh, I bet that was fun. And my biggest takeaway from it was I met so many amazing women. I know. know. (laughs) Yeah. I think anytime you can put an event together where people are laughing and having a good time and meeting each other and enjoying each other, whether you're auctioning off available bachelors or you are putting together a CEO summit or you're having a gateway party because everybody should be a little hungover going into interactive and we make sure they are. Um, It's like, just make sure it's fun. Make sure it's valuable. Make sure people are walking away and they've at least met somebody that they, they think that's somebody I'd like to you know, at least go grab lunch with every few months or so. Yes. Well, thank you so much for coming in and talking with us today, Amber. It was great to have you on the podcast. Well, thank you, Lisa. I'm so happy to be part of it and really excited about what TickBud's going to do for ATC. Oh, wonderful. So I'll just mention that the Austin Technology Council's September events are a roundtable women in tech breakfast, which is Thursday, September 12th. It's 7.30 till 9am at Galvanised downtown Austin. There's a roundtable HR leadership breakfast Tuesday, September 17th, again, 7.30 to 9am at Galvanised. And then there's the September leadership dinner for operations and finance. And of course, the CEO summit, which is uh, Monday, October 28th at the JW. Marriott. 
You can get tickets now on Ticketbud and it's austin-technology-council.ticketbud.com and you can find out more about the Austin Technology Council at austintechnologycouncil.org. I'll include both these links on our podcast page. Thanks again for joining us. Until next time, this was Ticketbud Tidbits.